Hey, it's Robert Mays, host of the Athletic Football Show. This year, we're covering the NFL Draft like we never have before, live from a TV studio on site in Kansas City. Join me, Nate Tice, and our draft expert, Dane Brugler, on our YouTube channel at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time this Thursday as we bring the Athletic Football Show's unique brand of analysis to the first round of the NFL Draft. And when the draft gets going for the second and third rounds on Friday, we'll be right there too, kicking off our coverage at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Search The Athletic Football Show on YouTube to find our channel, and subscribe now to make sure you don't miss a second of our 2023 NFL Draft coverage. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We were going to be getting you ready for the NFL Draft, and I think we still will, but we got some transfer portal news. We're going to hit the transfer portal siren right now because (laughs) right before we started recording this deal, Tyler Buckner, Notre Dame's opening day 2022 quarterback, put his name in the transfer portal. Is this incredibly surprising? No, because Sam Hartman is a person who exists, and he transferred to Notre Dame this year, but... This is a quarterback who looked really good in the Gator Bowl, who was, again, the opening day starter for Notre Dame last year before he got hurt. And if you need a quarterback and you might want somebody who can start right now, maybe this is your guy, Ari Wasserman and Scott Dockerman. Can, uh, is somebody swing, uh, singing Sweet Home Alabama right now? Uh, that's Whoa. what I kind of... What's kinda, going on with Alabama? Like, what, they don't have a quarterback? They've well, got three players on the roster that could start, right? Like, why does everybody uh, think they all stink? Because Alabama would like to win the national title. Yeah, so I, they I just didn't know that being young they, was they, a disqualifier of that. They, they nah. just they just had a Heisman Trophy winner and they want to they want to have the best possible chance. So it doesn't feel like any of those people said, this is my job. I'm taking it. Like, and then watch Tyler Buckner screams national title to you. No, but he screams <laughs> another option. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know, like if I'm Tyler keep... Buckner and I'm transferring, I don't want to transfer to a place that's got three other potential options. Right, right. And that's the right. thing. Like if you're Tyler Buckner, do you want to do that? Or do you want to go to, say, Auburn? You know, if if Hugh Freeze tells you, we think you could be the guy. And I don't know I, that he'd say that, but maybe he would. I think you look at offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese. You know, he has a history with him. Now, granted, um, Buckner didn't exactly light the world on fire in his three games. I mean, 55% completions, three touchdowns, five interceptions. But he has a solid background in the system. So I think he's got a a real chance there. My favorite thing about transfer portal quarterback uh, situations moving forward is that there are going to be a ton of players who ranked. Buckner was a top 100 player, right? And the top 100 that have played sparingly and have been somewhat passed over or forgotten about, despite the fact that they've only played or started less than half of a season. And there's going to be a lot of speculation of new scenery. Uh, Can this person meet their potential and how good are they? You know, and it's going to be this like slippery slope between top 100 player who hasn't gotten a fair shake and is actually really good and needs a new situation or top 100 player who was misevaluated and actually isn't that good. So and like, the, and, not, and the, isn't the first one? Now I don't know if he was top one hundred, but he was a he was a number seventy one overall nationally. No, no, I'm talking about Hendon Hooker. Oh. Wouldn't wouldn't that describe mm-hmm. Hendon Hooker? At I think that Tech it would describe a lot of people. Tennessee? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And how do you sift through it if you're a program who has to take somebody? 
You know, that's the hardest thing. It's like you go look, if you're Alabama or whoever could be in the mix here, do you go look at Tyler Buckner's first three games of tape and make a decision based on that? No, you, you look, look at, at that Gator Bowl and you're like, you're our starter, baby. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I, the, to me, I would find it very alarming if none of the three players that we are talking about with Alabama were good enough to put this Wait, team in a position three. to win. Are you are you adding Dylan Lonergan to the mix? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I'm just making sure. Just like they recruit a, wasn't Ty Simpson a, a five-star recruit? He, he was. And Eli Holstein, I believe, was Eli Holstein ranked higher than Dylan Lonergan? They got two quarterbacks in the top 100 last year. Well, they got two quarterbacks in the top 100 this year. I know. That's what I'm saying. They've got, yeah. if you add Eli Holstein into the mix. Yeah. You so, can't find a starter at Alabama with those four guys. And what are we doing? And you need Tyler Buckner to come save the day. That means something went terribly wrong. Well, I think the the connection that's being made there is the offensive coordinator. Is Tommy Reese? I know, but the Alabama discussion was happening before this happened. We were talking Ari, about Tyler Van. We don't Dick. know that he's going to Alabama. We don't no, know, I know that. But, but why is Alabama a discussion two days ago? Because they haven't decided on a starting quarterback, and nobody has just said this is my job. No, I know, but there's a lot of places that have ongoing quarterback battles. Right, but where not- would you rather go to the ongoing quarterback battle where you might end up the starter, Alabama or those other places? Like Ohio State and Georgia? Uh, Georgia's is over. Carson Beck is Georgia's starter. Can we stop with this? <laughs> well, what about Ohio State? Ohio State's a different story. Maybe. I don't know. Are they in the market? I mean, I don't know. Are they in the market any more than Alabama is? That's why I'm confused. Well, there are schools in the market. And what's interesting is he's... Iowa? In- no. Nope. Iowa. Uh, Cade McNamara, he's the guy. You're going to run it up next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we will talk about that later, too. But no, th- it's it's very interesting because it, we this is not the first time somebody who was a starting quarterback at Notre Dame who isn't the starting quarterback anymore left. And and remember Malik Zaire in the transfer portal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, where's he going to go? Where's he going to go to Florida? He's he sat behind Austin Appleby, who was a Purdue transfer like yep. it. Sometimes these guys didn't win the job and they didn't win the job for a reason. But in Buckner's case, he did win the job. He got hurt. They recruited over him, a guy who is much more accomplished than Sam Hartman. So I can see where if you are in the market for a transfer quarterback, you see upside. You absolutely see upside. Man, I don't know. That's a lot to risk based off his play last year. I mean, I know he had a fun Gator Bowl, but he also threw three interceptions. It's no risk at all. If he doesn't, if he's not good enough, you just don't play him. I meant it's a risk for him. I mean, to go to a place like that. I mean, God, if, you know, he, in every one of his games, he was less than 60% completion. So, I mean, (laughs) can I invite you guys into the booth for Ari's game show right now? Yes. If you had to pick. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I don't know if this is actually a game show or not, but you tell me. With all the information that you have, about mm-hmm. Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, Eli Holstein, and uh, Dylan, Lo- Dylan Lonergan, and um, Tyler Buckner. If you were the new head coach at a emerging program and you needed a starting quarterback and you had to pick one of those five names blindly to lead you, <laughs> is the answer Tyler Buckner ever? No. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if any of them are any good. No. I know, but I'm just saying blindly pick your guy right now. Yeah. Do it. It's a podcast. How about, how, here's, a, here's a better one. If you're the coach at Alabama, 
and you have those four guys already, do you add another one? No, you probably don't. I just, I don't understand the application of it. And well, it's like you're, you keep applying it to Alabama. I don't think that's where he ends up. Okay, thank God. I just don't understand <laughs> why we're talking about Alabama. I just, it's, because Tommy Reese was his offensive yeah. coordinator. Tommy Reese is Alabama now. We're, I know, but was Tommy Reese Tyler creatures. Van Dyke's offensive coordinator? Tyler Van Dyke didn't go to Alabama. He stayed. I know, at Miami. but that was it Got was a discussion a before it happened. I just don't know why we're even talking about. And I'm not saying it's wrong that we're talking. I mean, like the world is talking about it because Alabama has had their guy for a while. Like it, it it's been a while since we didn't know who Alabama's guy was, and. Mm-hmm. The fact that we don't know who Alabama's guy is right now, we don't know how to process that and handle it. But the fact of the matter is, it's probably one of those four guys. Mm-hmm. It's probably not somebody else. They've yes. had they've had three straight first round draft picks, and the guy before that just became the richest player of all time. So uh, the, the fact they have they have no idea who the guy is, and and I, I can understand them kicking the tires on a few of these you know, Tyler Buckner's, but I also think they should look at who they have and say, eh, can one of these guys shape so into a star? Let's take Alabama out of the equation. Let's pretend they don't know. Uh, Tommy Reese and Tyler Buckner don't know each other. And that's not, that's not a possibility. What schools are possibilities? Like who do you think would reach out to Tyler Buckner in this situation? Would it be Auburn, Florida, who else wants a QB right now? How's Arizona Florida's, State feeling? How's Kenny Dillingham feeling about Florida? QBs? Florida is always the one that jumps like right into the front of my head. But like, I just don't know what the feeling around Mertz is there. Like I like when I think they, they took him. I think they like him. I don't think they're over the moon. Like I don't think mm-hmm. they feel like they've got a guy who's going to win the SEC, but I think they like him fine and they feel like he can run the offense. Yeah, the funniest thing, too, is like about Florida, uh, and then I'll let you jump in, Scott, is it might not make sense if you're a quarterback to transfer in the fall anymore. Like if you go into the transfer portal and you go somewhere and then your school later on in the spring gets another transfer over you, like I think that being the last person to do it's probably an advantageous. I find it ironic mm, that people going are through trans- spring practice is still better than not going through spring practice. <sighs> I don't know. I wouldn't want to go through spring practice and then get recruited over and then be stuck. But well, that's, you've you got to bet on yourself in that situation. You've you got to think that you're going to be good enough to win the job. I know, but inherently, most people that are in the portal are betting against themselves or they lost already. <laughs> and and But that's the that's the thing. They're not all Russell Wilson. They're not all Justin Fields. And we get confused there thinking everybody is. They're not. There's a reason they're in the portal. I think at Florida, if you got Buckner and you got Mertz, it's the Spider-Man meme. It's looking at each other this way. Uh, I saw enough of Graham Mertz. One game, phenomenal the rest of, the, of his time. And I think Buckner might be a little more mobile, but... Uh, other than that, you're you're dealing with a lot of the same thing. So, uh, yeah, and, and and the question is, we may be looking too high up in the in in the Power Five. It, it might be somebody who's a lower tier Power Five school. It might be a good Group of Five school. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're assuming a lot here. I mean, it's Just a pretty big drop off from Alabama, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like when you you open up with that, it, it kind of rewires your but brain I, a little bit. But yeah, well, that's uh. But that's the thing. I go back to the whole Malik Zaire thing. Just because he's coming from Notre Dame doesn't mean that he's yeah. ready to jump and start 
somewhere else and be great. He might not be. So it's this is this is the crapshoot that is like we're about to watch the NFL draft where quarterbacks are the ultimate crapshoot. But quarterback recruiting is a pretty big crapshoot, too. Like it is. You just don't know who's going to wind up being your best guy unless it is, you know, that that one, you know, one or two a year where you're like, yep, that, that's the guy that, that that's him. Like Jackson Arnold. He seemed like the guy when we got to see him play a little bit. Now, he's maybe not the guy this year at Oklahoma, but he looks like he can be the guy. So good luck to Tyler Buckner, who, by the way, says he's leaving open the option of going back to Notre Dame. And it sounds like Marcus Freeman's totally cool with that. So congratulations to everyone for handling this like grownups. It was great. Man, that's like one of the only opportunities that's ever happened, isn't it? I mean, most of the time it's like, see ya, you know, I'm exactly. go after somebody else. Exactly. It'd be like and if you had a girlfriend that you were going to propose to, <laughs> but you're like, you know what? I'm going to enter the transfer portal and I'm going to look around to see if I can find a better girl. But if I can't, I'm going to come one. back and marry you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or eh, slightly different. I'm going to be the, your backup in case the guy you're going to marry runs off with somebody else or breaks his leg or whatever. Because Sam Hartman's the starter at Notre Dame. Let, let us, again, reiterate this. Mm-hmm. This is happening because Notre Dame got Sam Hartman, who is a very mm-hmm. accomplished college quarterback and very good, and he's the starter. Mm-hmm. So the wife cheated on, on him in the dating scenario? Why are you going to make Sam? That Sam Sam's the good-looking man that came in and stole your girl. Sam, I mean, Sam's a very good-looking man. That's man, true. So. <laughs> uh, Elias Gray in the chat. I, I like this QB rom-com. Plot. We we do need a QB rom-com. We really do. Like, transfer QB rom-com. I mean, like, we're like one podcast away from ranking the most attractive male quarterbacks in the in college football. Uh, so Sam Hartman would be in the top 5%. Didn't, There's didn't no we do about that when we didn't have the the? I thought we did coaches on. No, we when, we were, when we were oh. driving around L.A. with Dan and Ty and, and Mina oh, yeah. and Mike, we basically had that conversation without the recorders running. Yeah, like, do you is there a correlation between attractiveness and capability? Yes, you have to be good-looking to be a good quarterback. Yes. That's, that's what we said, Scott. That's Well, they got swag, you know, but I think how you lose a quarterback in 10 days would uh, probably... <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you might, you, you wow. might actually... As a deep pull from the rom-com <laughs> vault, Scott, I am impressed. Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey. Yes. Woo! One, one time. Know, in Boulder, when Colorado. In, <laughs> when I was in college, I went to uh, the All-Star game for Major League Baseball with my girlfriend and her family. Mm-hmm. And it was in San Francisco. This must have been whatever year it was, 2007, 8 or 9. And we were sitting uh, in the home run derby in the, in the uh, stands in left field. And sitting right behind us was Alex Smith from uh, oh, yeah. Utah. Very good looking. Yeah. And I remember thinking. Number one draft pick. That guy is super attractive. Um, <laughs> and I was with my girlfriend at the time, and I think she agreed with me. Yeah, I, I think she probably When's the last time a, the Didn't number Johnny one Manziel overall... tried to steal your girl one time in Vegas, too? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> oh, <laughs> he right, he would have succeeded. That. He would have succeeded. I just think he had a lot of options. So basically, um, we, we need to keep Britt away from Dak Prescott or, or any other quarterback yeah. she might run into in Dallas. Okay. One Dallas Maverick did hit on her before we were before we were dating. Dorian Finney-Smith. 
and I'm not going to tell you who it is because that's messed up. But let's <laughs> just say she's four foot eleven, and these guys are like seven foot, and it was just oh. like a weird combo, I think, for for everyone. But uh, <laughs> you know, she liked the charismatic chubby Jewish guy, and that's just her type. So, like, what what am I going to do? Dak you know? Prescott's very good looking, Ari. <laughs> I'm yeah, warning you. Now. I know he is. He is very <laughs> good looking. Right. All right. So we got to talk about wait, before another... you go, Andy. Has okay. there ever been okay. a number one overall pick that's walked mm. across the stage at the quarterback position and been butt ugly? <laughs> <laughs> like, has it ever happened? <laughs> you don't have to say anybody's names. Just say yes or no. Because I, I can't think, think of so. one time. Do we? And do Bryce Jones is a really attractive how, guy. How do we feel about Andrew Luck? Um, well, but not before, ugly. Uh, well, when he started developing the Civil War beard, that kind of exactly. A little <laughs> Once bit. he became Colonel Andrew Luck, it was a different yeah. story. All right, yeah. we'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. So, our friend Max Olson tweeted this out on Monday, and I I think this number is still current. I don't know if anybody else has hopped in, so correct me if I'm wrong on this. Eighteen players from Colorado entered the transfer portal on Monday. 41 since Deion Sanders was hired in the transfer portal, including people they lost because they were out of eligibility or because they decided to move on before Deion was hired. 63 of the 83 scholarship players from 2022 have moved on. Now, we know that not everybody did this voluntarily. We know because Deion told us that this was going to happen. But are you guys surprised that it is this drastic? Okay, so I'm work, I'm workshopping a column that I'm going to write uh, in the next few days, I think, with my editor. We may and have to workshop add- together because I've got something that I'm working on too. So let's make sure we're not. Doing well, you the same get right thing. away because you're you're uh, old. You're veteran. I understand. You're, yeah, you're, okay, you're, you have Sports Illustrated covers on me. I can't, I'm not going <laughs> to. But let me ask you this: Does this, even though we knew it was coming, make you more, less, or the same confident that it's going to work at Colorado? The same, because this is what I expected. Scott? Uh, less, honestly. I mean, I expected him to turn it over, but I expected him to kind of at least hold serve for a year. You, you know, expected to- this many, Andy? Yes, they were 1-11. They were terrible. No, I know. But the, the, the object is to roster. not be terrible. Like, no, I, I don't. I, I feel like people have forgotten this. Like, well, here's the premise I, I'm going to I'm getting at here. And then you tell me if you think I'm full of crap, because like I know that this is big boy football now. And you're mm-hmm. playing for a coach that walked in the first day he met his team and made the Louis comment and talked about the portal. This isn't a surprise. But the thing I don't know is that if you treat this many people this way mm-hmm. and things don't go well for you early on, if people are going to think, is he going to treat me like that? A hundred percent. That will mm-hmm. be a problem. And, and Dion will address that in recruiting by saying, I'm recruiting you, therefore you're good enough for me not to treat you that way. But now, I here, think everything that he does right now is cute because it's new and it's shiny it's not, and it's this different. This is cute. There's nothing cute about this. This but is everybody is making everybody is accepting everything that he does, no matter what, no matter what he says or how he acts or whatever, because we're excited about the new shiny object. But if things go bad for the first year or two, and they could because their roster stinks right now, and I don't know what it's going to look like. He'll lose all the goodwill. He'll lose all the goodwill. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds Mm. me of, and I think you made this comment on the podcast the other day. Maybe I heard it somewhere else, or I thought, I don't remember. But Jim Harbaugh and the way that he acted when he first got to Michigan, and then things went bad, and then the guy just 
disappeared out of the spotlight. Is Deion Sanders capable of disappearing out of the spotlight? And if things go bad, will he continue to act this way or be able to act this way and like be successful? Yeah. Because like it there are people it, who are like it this won't work. If if things don't work, the act won't work. It has to. It has to be successful. But nobody's expecting to it course. to work immediately. So my question is, knowing how long it takes to turn over a team, for the most part, and I know in the portal era it's much faster than it used to be, but we all are not assuming that Colorado is going to flip forty-eight players or forty-six players off of its roster, go get forty-six awesome ones, and win the Pac-12 this year. They're right. going to stink this year, probably. Mm-hmm. If they stink this year, and then they start off next year stinking. What does that leave for? Like, I think that we are walking a tightrope of this better work or it's going to be a disaster. Well, yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's the whole point. It better work or it's going to be a disaster. Now, the column I'm working on is this. No one has been more outspoken than me, maybe Dan Wetzel, about giving players more money, giving them more freedom. Yep. But there's a flip side to that. And it feels like everybody's forgotten that. You're supposed to be good. Like you have to still be good enough. And people are acting like it's weird that he's flipping this roster that got smoked in just about every game. Like their job is to be good. If you're going to, if you're going to take advantage and like revenue sharing is going to come in, you have all these NIL, you know, opportunities. Now, if you're going to take advantage of that, you have to earn the spot you have. You know, Andy, if, if we're going to re- completely redo a house, a remodel, a, you know, just start it, you know, you don't mm-hmm. strip it all the way completely down if you're going to live there. <laughs> what you do is you do it in a couple of rooms at a time. And then by whatever period of time, three years down the road, you feel like, OK, now I've got a great house. Don't don't well, Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter count as a really nice kitchen right now. Uh, maybe the island in the kitchen. I'm just living in the kitchen. It's a nice island. <laughs> I'm just living in the kitchen. You That's, could put a mattress on those granite countertops. I think. It's exactly <laughs> right. That's what I'm thinking right now. That's yeah. exactly right. But also, just, we're not sure if Shador Sanders is really that great. Yeah, we don't know that. That's true. We don't even know if he's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We know that Colin Schley operated that offense really well last year for, for Sean Lewis, but he's at UCLA now. So this I just is, I just think it puts all the onus on the players themselves and not bad coaching. And that's what Colorado had too. So sixty-three of eighty-three is an obscene number. It in a and now you basically unshackle the sport and say it is nothing to do with academics because APR is a disaster based on this. That's that's the thing is is have they considered this? And I think here's what happens because this is what schools always do when it's advantageous to them they change the rules. Mm-hmm. So they'll just go we can't do APR anymore like this. We can't have APR penalties and we got to change this. This is a pipe, a byproduct, by the way, letting, letting these schools flip rosters like this is a byproduct of changing transfer rules, giving the players the opportunity to. And I understand that. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with that because when you change the transfer rules, you did give the players a significant amount of power because if a roster decides they want to blow up a program or blow up a coach, all it takes is a bunch of them hitting the portal and they've blown up the program. So you've got to be able to refill it. If that happens, Miller Cunningham in the comments goes, Ari, if you thought you could recruit quality recruits, would you do it the same way? 
And, you know, I probably would. You know, I'm not saying that what he's done is the wrong avenue. Like, if he can get 46 players out and bring in 46 better ones, then their team is better. And Andy's point is a good one to the to the other side of that, of like, if you are going to get NIL deal and you're going to get transfers of more power, then maybe you do a, uh, you know, or you, you put yourself in a position where you're exposed to this type of thing, right? Like, it's becoming more and more professional, the professionalization. I mean, I, I feel, ba- I feel football, bad but- if Carl Durrell went into somebody's house and said, I'm going to take care of your boy for four years, and the people bought it. Like, they didn't look at what was going on at Colorado versus other programs in its league and go, you know what? They ain't very good. They might fire this guy. Yeah. Yeah. But, but 76 young men got whacked. I mean, it's like the... Well, they didn't, it's they like didn't the all the got whacked. Yeah. There, there's, there's, there's a few who who took it the other way. Like, uh, was it is it Montana Lamonis Craig, the, the wide receiver? Who balled mm-hmm. out on Saturday? Randy he jumped Moss, in the portal too. Yeah. yeah, he jumped in the portal too, and it sounds like he's got some options. Mm-hmm. So he he went the other direction. I'm sure Dion would love to keep him, but he looks so good on national TV that there's a bunch of programs that are a lot better in Colorado right now. They're going, yeah, you come play for us. Well, let me ask you this too. Uh, Dion Sanders to the normal person is likable, right? Uh, I think it depends is he a likable? You know, there's a the lot person. of people who don't like him. Yeah. Yeah. But I wonder if he's veering if like what happens if Deion Sanders becomes unlikable across the board. Then they'll fire him. Like, why why is this why are you making this so complicated? This will work. I know for they're gonna won't. fire him. I'm saying like we're, we're all bought into what what's gonna happen there. I, I know what the answer is if it's terrible. I'm wondering if he becomes unlikable, he might get fired sooner. Well, like yeah. I, I think that everybody if this doesn't work, myself, they'll fire him. If this works, he will get more money or get a better job. Like none of this is complex. Part of me, and I think I'm I'm the problem, has like not considered the fact that this could be a dumpster fire. Like you I was like considered so that it's like 50-50, buddy. No, no, I know, but like <laughs> I of course I've considered. I just mean like we're talking about everything that he's done in the first, you know, few months of his, you know, job there. He's gotten better players. He's gotten people to fill up the stadium. He's done all these things, but it's like we've bought so much into the idea of like Dion being worth it and changing the, the the culture and all this stuff that like it's almost hard to picture a scenario where things just go completely off the rails. And then this happened on uh, Monday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. and then that brought it into more focus for me of like this is a this is you didn't this is think a tough this was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen he to a certain told extent. You I didn't this was know that seventy-five percent of his roster was going to leave. Seventy-five, they went one and eleven. Why would you want that roster? Oh, I know, but it's a, it's a lot of people, and it's not like the guy's going out and like lighting the world on fire and recruiting. Like he's done some good things, but it's not like he's signing an Alabama class. It's he like I don't know what's going to sign be an coming Alabama in. class. He has to sign. He has to sign a Utah class. Yeah. Well, I and he has to uh, replace these players through the portal now. Correct. And that's the challenge. That's mm-hmm. that's where he better have a plan. Well, he, you know, here's the problem. If he would have done it in half, if he would have had 30 out this time, 30 out in November, mm-hmm. December, that's fine. But what happens when all these portal guys that half of those aren't any good because they're just right. everybody and, else's scrubs? Because we're just assuming that everybody who's coming in to replace the guys who left are going to be awesome. And that's right. Well, well, this and this that's is the not. problem. And we've talked about this. The, the people in the portal in this window, for the most part, are not 
quality power five starters. Mm-hmm. They're not like there's a reason they're in the portal right now. Now, are they better than that? Here's the operative question, though. Are they better than what left Colorado? Because if they are, whether they come out of the FCS, the group of five or the power five, then he's done his job. If they are not, then he is on the road to disaster. I just think you got to build some sort of continuity, even with the guys that are there. Even if they're not very good, at least you have spring Should practice. Should Lincoln Riley have gone slower with his roster flip? Because it certainly seemed like it worked. Not 63. How yeah, many people USC left had USC. some good players already, though. Right. Yeah. Colorado didn't. Well, I mean, I think the reason why Scott and I are kind of blown away by it is because, like, we know that you can flip a roster. I know that it's kind of happening a little bit at Auburn. Like, every coach that comes in that has a roster that he needs to flip is going to flip it. Andy, you got to acknowledge the fact that 63 players is an absurd undertaking. It at is any incredibly given time. absurd. Yeah. And also, I'm not even sure it's a practical thing because I think if you do it too much, the prospects uh, or the likelihood of improving are lower than if you do it slower. Here's and by the thing. slower, I mean maybe 25 at a time. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying do it one at a time. Yeah. I'm saying if you're 45. This is, this, is, this is what I'm, I'm going to say if I'm Dion. Those weren't my guys. You're my guy. Whether that's true or not, another another story entirely but that's what he's going to say but here's be- here's where you guys are right here's where the problem lies i don't know that you can build a deep enough roster flipping this fast to like what is their scholarship count right now it's it's How many- in the 20s well no it's not in the 20s i'm sorry they have brought people in but it's not it's not it's in the 40s, I think, right? Right. It's not It's not in the 70s. It's not, yeah. It's not just a few away from being full. They are going to have to do a lot of work with what's in the portal right now. And that, that I, I agree with you guys. I don't know how deep a team you can build that way. And I also don't know, like, Max would right be now. a good person to ask this, but, like, what's the quality of the portal now in comparison to the quality that happened in the fall at the oh. end of the season? It's lower, well, right? It's, it is yeah. lower. We and we talked about that when Max came on the other day. Like yeah. it's mm-hmm. you had more legit starters. Now, the question is how much of this is bait? Like if you are a group of 5 starter and you think you can go start mm-hmm. at Colorado tomorrow, do you now jump in the portal? Well, you could, but there are other teams. Well, yes, and the other the other part of that is, do you want to give up what you got right now? Mm-hmm. This is the part people don't consider with wherever anybody is, regardless of Group 5, Power 5, whatever names we want to put on it. There are a lot of people who are happy where they are. They're starters. They like the people they're around. They like their coaches. They're not going anywhere. So you can say, well, why, why wouldn't you leave that place? Because you can go play for Coach Prime at Colorado. Well, maybe because you're happy where you are. Mm-hmm. So that that's the that's the trick is can he get enough people to have a better roster than he would have had if he hadn't done this? And I we do not know the answer to that until we see what the product is on the field. And I don't I don't know how he's going to recruit regionally with this approach. Oh, I I, mean, I, I don't think you can. Because Utah will say, look, look what he's done. He's ran off everybody he'll run you off to if you don't if you're not a starter first day. They're gonna they usually have to recruit against probably some Mountain West teams for lower end uh, part of their class. All they'll have to say is, look what happened to all these guys. 
And so they're going to have to recruit nationally. Well, Colorado is a neat story today. But when they go 1-11 or 0-12 this fall, are they going to be able to go into Southern California or go to Florida or go anywhere just because it's prime, Texas? Are they going to be able to get anybody or are they going to have to battle G5 teams for but everybody? I think, that's the, I think that's the thought process of like they can recruit nationally with Dion. Mm-hmm. Like I think that people think that that is something that's going to have staying power. And that's the thing that's concerning to me. I feel like, you know, like with Kenny Dillingham, for instance, mm-hmm. like ASU could stink this year and I could still like buy into the vision of the plan. I think Deion Sanders' runway for success uh, or early returns is kind of lower than it is for other guys. Like it's, it's a process to build a program and to restore a program or a home as Scott put it. But for whatever reason, or not for whatever reason, the reason is that Dion is such a loud mouth about it. I think that people are anticipating that Colorado's turnaround is going to be quicker. And if it's not quicker, are we going to be down for the fun and games in two years? If no. it's just a shit show, no, it has so, to be better. It, it has to, or it all, it will all, like what fade. if he's, he's four and eight in year two, like, is it just over? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you saw it with Harbaugh firsthand. He was not four and eight. He was winning 10, 11 was games right away. Yeah. And, and still that act wore thin very quickly. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago that he, that they moved forward. Dion can't afford that because at least they had, uh, you know, they have a, a program in place to get decent to good talent. Colorado ha- doesn't have that mechanism. And they Dion don't have the region. Dion doesn't have the uh, the runway that Harbaugh had either. Yeah. I don't think we've talked enough about how incredible it is that Harbaugh turned it around because I thought it was done. Yeah, like after year five, well, but, like but remember Ari Harbaugh was coach, good for a few years before 2020 happened. Like 2015, 2016, they were good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they've had good teams, but it, it never was the, the the prophecy of what was supposed to be filled at Mich- fulfilled at Michigan is what happened the last two years. Yeah. So they were always 10 and two or whatever, and they were always pretty good, but they never were what they were supposed to be. And that's why he got raked over the coals. But the fact that he broke them through after five, six years of being not that promise is, is tremendous. Now, the thing I'll say is Dion won't be the head coach at Colorado in six years. If this happens to him, no one way or the other won't be. Yeah. Probably won't be the head coach at Colorado in six years. If it works the way he wants it to work. Yeah. So that, but that's that's the show, guys. Yeah. That's the show. Yeah. That is what we're watching for. That is why we can't turn our eyes away. That is why whenever we write Deion Sanders' name in The Athletic, the traffic goes boom. Mm-hmm. People want to see him succeed or fail. And he's doing it differently than other people have done it. So they want to see if he can. He's doing it with you know, a very unique style. And that's why people are interested. But he told us this was going to happen. And now we're acting surprised that it is. But Ari, I, I'm like, you, it didn't occur to you that this might not work before this? No, no. I, I was so on the hype train of believing it was going to that I lost sight of the other side of it. And then when this happened, it came back into focus. Yeah. It, this is a high wire act. Like it, it will yeah. either work. Very well or fail spectacularly, which is crazy because they're over under in Vegas right now for season win totals is like five and a half. Mm. So like, uh, look, if you go from what they were last year to five wins, that's a hell of a job. (laughs) It's a hell of a coaching job. Yeah, no question. Especially with this. I mean, 
I, I just, I guess I get, I get trapped in the human element. Maybe I'm just an old dude, you know, but when I start to look at, you know, 63 guys gone, I'm thinking, yeah, what about college? You know, but again, I'm trapped in the old days. I listen, I, I just, I think people get too precious about all that stuff. Like if, if you are like me and you wanted the players to get more and have more freedom, there's a backside. Well, to it's that. like what you said, Andy. It's like if you were somebody who clings to the old days of amateurism and college football and all that stuff, then they're in that same viewpoint. You're also somebody who thinks that the prospects and the recruits and the players are treated to a certain standard. But right. if they are compensated now, then if you're going to let go of the compensation aspect of it, then you got to let go of of how they're treated because it's all a new ball game. And Scott. Right. I love you. You're not old. You look great to me. Great head of hair. Hey, uh, but thanks. it's just kind of like uh, you just got to accept that it's different now. It, it's, because like this is if this happened in 2008, this would have been like a disaster, right? Mm-hmm. No oh, question. Yeah, but it couldn't have happened in 2000. Well, it would have been a disaster. And and the thing is, all the criticism would have been very valid because all the players who got forced into the portal would have to sit out a year before they played anywhere else. They would have been blamed for this. They were like, oh, you selfish guys going, you know, selfish guys trying to transfer. Like, it's only recently occurred to the average fan that the coaches might be pushing some of these guys out. Yeah. Yeah. It's always been that. I guess it, to me, it's the big number. It's 63. If it was 33, eh, that's the cost of doing business. 63 well, is the one that gets me. You want to hear another, another Colorado-related 63? That's how many points they gave up to Utah last year. Dion's job is to beat Utah. They that's lost nice, 63 to 21. That's a nice little transition there, Andy. That's, How that's about great that? A podcasting. I'm proud How of that. How about yeah. that? You want to hear another yeah. 63? I was like, wow, that, that one hit me deep in the plums. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that's his job. His job is to beat Utah. Not lose 63 to 21 to Utah. So, also, keeping very good track of who comes in now is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. And look, this is a this is a game we can play with other programs too. Like this is something Texas A&M, Florida, we've seen both those programs have a bunch of guys going to the portal. They've not taken as many guys out of the portal as as hopped in. And the question is are they going to start and and get to that number or are they not because they don't feel like the players that are available are good enough? Because I feel like that's an important piece of of all of this. And with Colorado, it's probably even more important because it comes down to fielding a two deep versus having some depth. Mm-hmm. I'm, Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm just saying that the intangibles of when you have teams like this, that the, the older guys who are still around, who maybe aren't that talented, but will still kill for that program. And they said, this coach made me feel like I was wanted that now it's just down to this. I mean, we've saw it. I remember with Penn State when Bill O'Brien got there, replaced Joe Paterno. Nobody left. You know, they. I think there was, what, one or two? I mean, I remember yeah. Illinois. With Silas Beck- Red left, and I think yeah. the kicker left. Kick, kicker left, which cost them. Um, early in the season, they lost like two games because of bad kicking. But, uh, you know, even Illinois with Tim Beckman, you know, <laughs> sent his coaches out to Happy Valley. And nobody left. And at the end of it, they put their names up, uh, even on the jerseys, which they never do at Penn State. They put their team up on the uh, on Beaver Stadium because 
they felt like Bill O'Brien embraced everybody. And and I think that you know what the difference the, was with, between that team and, and this Colorado they team? Were good. They, they, they were good players. Listen, I'm not trying to be harsh. Th- these guys were still better football players than me. But I've also been in the shoes of the, the guy who lines up against a, a real high division one player and finds out why they didn't get offered a scholarship by that team. Like it's, it's shockingly jarring how much better some of these guys are. Mm-hmm. And Dion's job is to beat those guys. Dion's job is to beat Utah, to beat Oregon. And you don't do that with what you had. You do that with something else. I think they could end up like SMU in the late eighties. Well, there, there's that game where Houston could have scored a hundred. They scored 95 on them and got a thousand <laughs> yards. Yeah. You know, so I think that's probably where they're headed this year. Well, we'll see because if they win five games, I'm wrong. They got to build a statue of Dion. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's all or nothing, baby. Yeah. All or nothing. We'll be right back after these words. Now it's time to shift gears because Scott has been doing some very cool stuff. For those who don't know, Scott is a big-time draftnik. He has handwritten charts. He's got studies that he's done of who's available, what teams need, who's picking where. And you, you've done a, a series this year where you have underrated prospects from each league. And I love this because this is one of those, for, for us as college football fans, when we see those guys go on day two or day three of the draft, it's like, oh, I'm so happy for him. I'm so glad he wound up in that situation because he's going to be great. Like Brock Purdy's a great example of this last year. Mm-hmm. When you find yeah. out Brock Purdy's Mr. Irrelevant, you're like, I love Brock Purdy. I, I hope it go. I hope he breaks that mold. And well, sure enough, he did. So I, I would like to start <laughs> with, with a few guys that, that you've mentioned so far, Scott. Um, and the one... We'll start at Brock Purdy's school. Xavier Hutchinson, wide receiver from Iowa State. One of my favorite types of players. I love. Here's what I love. I love a skill position player who's clearly the, the biggest threat on the offense. And everybody knows it. And defenses know it. And they gear up to stop him. And he still puts up numbers. That's Xavier Hutchinson. It, he had an cr- incredible year. He had more targets than anybody in the country or and more catches per game than anybody else in the country. He had 107 catches on a team that was equally as bad as their cross-state rival in offense other than him. And but he's, you know, his drop rate was low, but he had two major high-profile drops. And then you start going, well, was he fast enough? Is he quick enough? Is he all this stuff? No, he's really good. He was a really good player for a team. Um, and I think, I, I think he's going to be a really strong third or fourth round guy and probably the third, maybe fourth receiver for a team right away. And, and if he can catch the ball on third down, I think he's, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be a heck of a player. So and another guy you had on your pack 12 list mm-hmm. and, and you've got him going number 20, uh, sorry, number 97 to the commanders. And, and he's a guy, Noah Sewell, the Oregon linebacker, mm-hmm. he's Penny Sewell's little brother. I'm fascinated by him. He was he was much better his first two years than he was his last year. I don't know if it was a case of not quite fitting in Dan Lanning's defense or if there, if there was some other reason. But 
He's a big guy. He's like 250, mm-hmm. but moves very well for that 250. I just feel like he's going to wind up, if he if he gets in a defense that's the right fit for him, that he could be really good. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a thumper. He's a first, second down guy. Uh, you know, really big run stopper. You know, kind of like, uh, what, Giovanni Tavai a few years ago from uh, Hawaii, went to the Detroit mm-hmm. Lions. Matt Patricia loved him and, you know, then drafted him too high, um, which is kind of a hallmark of ex-Belichick guys. But in this case, I think he could go right in, be a, just a killer. You know, he's ultra competitive. You know, is he quick enough? Can he cover guys in space? That's going to be the determining factor, whether he lasts really long. But I think overall, you need a, you need a guy playing interior on first and 10, second and seven when it's when there's not – trips on the field. I think you're pretty good with him. And yeah, I don't know what happened to him. You know, he was so good in that first year he was there, even the second year. But, uh, you know, I, I still think he's a guy that uh, somebody's going to take a chance on in that third round and he's going to be a good player. So another guy you're very familiar with. And and so we, we were talking about the transfer portal and, and guys who jump into the transfer portal and, and maybe there's not the market for them that they think. Charlie Jones was a scholarship receiver at Buffalo Goes into the portal, does not like any of the the action he's getting, and he decides to walk on at Iowa. Now, he didn't obviously end up excelling at Iowa because for eh, they're not great at getting people the ball, but he goes to Purdue and just blows up. Mm-hmm. This is a guy I feel like can really contribute because mm-hmm. he can return kicks. He'll play on every special team. Like he, I I, I bet he's one of those like sneaky favorite guy where they he's like number three in jersey sales on his team in in three years <laughs> no question um you know he fits that stereotype of all those patriot guys chris hogan um you know amandola you know even to some extent wes welker because he's just got all that that factor i mean he's got a, a swag to him no question and to, to do what he's done twice, I mean, he bet on himself twice. As you said, gave up a scholarship to go to Iowa and walked on there and, and then ended up being the Big Ten Specialist of the Year, a return specialist. He was a terrific punt returner especially and good kick returner and then decided, you know what, I'm going to go to Purdue because I can't get to the NFL at Iowa. Uh, tipped the balance of power in that division, no question, and then ended up going to the Big Ten Championship game for the second year in a row. And, uh, you know, ended up leading the country in catches. So I think he's your, even though he played outside at Purdue because they didn't really have anybody, but man, if you put him inside the slot and just let him just get six yards a catch and then return punts, yeah, he's going to be that guy that everybody loves because he's just a tough, hard-nosed kid. And and again, bet on himself twice, he's going to do it again and and he's going to win again. So the guy who threw him the ball at Purdue, Aiden O'Connell's another one. That's uh, Dane Brugler, our, our draft analyst at the Athletic, says that uh, you know beneath the 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 Will Levis, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and then Hendon Hooker mm-hmm. that tier, that O'Connell feels like the one everybody likes the most. Mm-hmm. He's got the he's not only got the numbers, but he's been in a high tempo offense. But he's also played under center. He's played in a league where it's defense first. You know, completed a lot of passes. Um, you know, you, you mentioned some of the dumb stuff that I do with this. Is I evaluated every quarterback since 1990 that went in the first round, and there's 85 of them, and mm. I've I've graded them on you know whether like this A plus, <laughs> A plus is the um, Hall of Fame. Guys. Is this on our website? No, 
this is just me being an idiot and sitting around the house doing nothing. Don't you think this should can, be on our can website? You, can you turn this around in like a day? Because <laughs> the draft's on Thursday. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. But, uh, you know, and then an A is kind of like Hall of Very Good, Borderline Hall of Famer. B-plus is a quality starter. Kind of all the way down. And when you look at first-rounders, it's really in three tiers. You've got your, you know, your Hall of Fame slash quality starters in one tier. You've got your guys who are journeyman, backup, just kind of guys. And then you got your failures, you know, guys who got a chance, completely blew it and never really got another one because they weren't good enough. And then you got a couple of F minuses and out know, take removing the eight incompletes, which are the last couple of years and, and Jordan Lo- uh, love, you know, I had 28 guys that I thought were a B range. I had 25 that were CD and I had 24 that were F or F minus. Mm. And, and so I look at the, the, what we've got in the first round now, probably five guys, two will succeed, two will fail, and one might just be a guy. And, and, yeah. and so you're starting to look at the Brock Purdy's of the world. Well, I, you know, I had a, you know, up close view of him for four years at Iowa State. Really good player. Did I expect last year? No, but I thought he, I, I always told like his agent, look, I thought he, he could be like Chase Daniel, spot starter, yeah. stay on with the team for 10 years or whatever. And Aiden O'Connell is in that ballpark, not the same player at all. And I think Stetson Bennett is that way, except I think he's got a little bit more uh, upward mo- uh, sideways yeah. mobility on that one. But Aiden O'Connell is a really solid guy, very accurate, smart. Uh, you know, he's a former walk-on, had to work his way up. He was in an intense competition for multiple years at Purdue, and then he produced. And this year, he didn't have the receivers that he did last year. I mean, Jones caught a lot of passes, but he's not Milton Wright, who didn't make it academically, or David Bell. Uh, so I think he's the type of guy that you you look at as, hey, we, we need a solid number two. We need somebody behind Pat Mahomes, or you need somebody behind uh, Josh Allen, or something like that, who could go, who's going to go in complete some passes, not lose you a game. And then, you know, you never know. Some of those guys do come out and, you know, not necessarily Brock Purdy, but other guys are like, eh, you know, Taylor Heineke or somebody like that. So that's kind of who I think, uh, you know, Aiden O'Connell is. And, you know, out of the four quarterbacks I highlighted in this series, um, I, you know, I, I Stetson Bennett to me is kind of that plus 10, minus 10, where you he could either, wow, he went in there and he fought like a dog and, and he's a starter, and he's not going to relinquish it, or he's going to flame out really quick. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, I, I like him a lot. I would, I would really like to draft him in the sixth round and see what happens in three years. And then Max Dugan is kind of in that same way as, as Stetson Bennett, tough, hard nosed kid, um, kind of guy you want as your third quarterback. I think. Yeah, that's a, and, and the Chiefs thing's interesting because Chad Henney's retired. Mm-hmm. They need a backup right now, and. You know, I I wonder, do you do you choose because Chad Henney, not that similar to Patrick Mahomes. Like, do you pick somebody who's more physically similar or obviously they're they're not going to have the same athletic gifts as Patrick Mahomes or the same throwing Mm -hmm. gifts as Patrick Mahomes, but someone who's a little bit closer, who who you don't have to really change much of the offense for. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, do you want somebody who can maneuver and move or do you want somebody just to Hey, let's just get get to make the makeables, you know, get yeah. the ball to Travis Kelsey, hand the ball off. Don't make any stupid mistakes. Chad uh, Hetty won them a playoff game. Don't forget. He did. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He beat Tim Tebow, too. You know, <laughs> that, that he did. <laughs> That's how old Chad Henney was. Yes, exactly. Back in the what Capital One Bowl back in the day. I was at the game. 
Yeah. This is my one of the my last largest... game is the the Florida beat writer for the Tampa Tribune. Nice. One of my largest gambling losses of my career. <laughs> you know that it's funny because that game was was closer than I remember. I remembered that game as a blowout, and I, I looked up the the score by quarters, and it was not nearly as as big of a blowout as it felt to me being there. It was a pretty big blowout. Yeah, <laughs> it's <was> big enough <laughs> for me. <laughs> but it was like a two touchdown game, and then Florida score one. And Florida Michigan was a six one. and a half point favorite. I'll never forget it. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Oh no, it was. It was forty one to seven. Never mind. Oh no no that's that's sorry that's that that's that bowl game they played when McElwain was was at Florida. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was the other one. Uh, it was like forty nine thirty five or something. That's like what it that. was. It was. Yeah. It was, yeah, I I just felt like Florida was a lot farther away in that game mm. being there. It felt like it wasn't that close. Mm. So, all right, gentlemen, we finish all our episodes now with trivia, and I we we did this yesterday. We did draft trivia. It was fun. I want to do it again until the draft. And so I've got a couple questions. One I got led to yesterday. We were trying to remember when Big Daddy Dan Wilkinson got got drafted first overall. And in my looking up that number, I found something else that that was very interesting to me. So I'm going to ask you guys this. I think Scott will get this. Who was the last running back drafted first overall? Oh, same dude, same team, right? Cincinnati with Kajana Carter. That's it. You got it. I don't even know why I'm still on the show, to be honest. Penn State <laughs> running back Kajana Carter. I thought you you might. I figured you might get that, Ari. I don't know. That was a little so, bit before my time, I think. All right, here's a, here's a much more recent one. And I, I, I Scott, given your your I'll research, I think you're going to get this one. But I incorrectly listed a stat earlier in the in the pre-draft process where I said no there had been no year where four quarterbacks went in the top 10 that's not true in 2018 four quarterbacks were selected in the top 10 there was a fifth selected at number 32 that'll be the bonus if you get that one right Mm -hmm. but what are the four quarterbacks who were picked in the top 10 in 2018 all right, you want me to go, or you want already? I go? think I know the answers. So all right, go I, for it. I, all right, we can, we can, all right. Uh, I know Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. one. Uh, Sam Darnold, correct. Mm-hmm. And I remember Josh Allen uh, was the same year as Baker, but I don't know if he was top ten. Yeah, was he top ten? Yeah. Yes. Yep. He was like seventh uh, overall. He was number seven of the Bills. Okay. And then yeah. the and then Josh Rosen was that draft. Josh mm-hmm. Rosen was number ten. Now, and who I was think I know 32? who the thirty-two was. Yeah. Yeah. Is he in the news right now for anything? He's in the news all the time. Yeah, Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. So yeah. think about that. Think about that. So five quarterbacks picked in the first round. And it, and it kind of goes right to your numbers, Scott. It's like a microcosm mm-hmm. of your numbers. Two, two mm-hmm. very good starters, potential much more yeah. than that in, in Lamar yeah. and Josh Allen. And then Sam Darnold and, and Josh Rosen – not really much anything, and Baker may be a kind of journeyman, could be a quality starter. He he did get the Browns to a playoff to a playoff yeah. win. So, but yeah, it, it's almost your what you what your system came up with in microcosm. Yeah, I mean, you look at at those guys, and yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson's got MVP. Josh Allen, I don't think does, but he's he's in that conversation after Mahomes and stuff as one of the greats, and then. Darnold, you know, he's, he's what, on his third team now? Baker's yeah. on his fourth team. 
And Rosen is, well, I don't even know if he's in the league anymore. I mean, he's like seventh or eighth, but that, that's what we're going to look at out of these guys, these five. Um, Cause I think hooker will probably make his way in. Um, does his first round. That's like the biggest prop bet of, of the draft. Yeah. yeah. It's like over under draft uh, over under quarterback selected in the first round. And like whether or not Hendon hooker is drafted in the first round is going to make or break the bet. I, I saw somebody this morning who said they put that put money on Anthony Richardson dropping into the second round. I'm like, you are going to lose your money unless, <laughs> unless you know yeah. something nobody else in the I world think, does. Uh, you're going to lose I your th- money. I think uh, betting on Anthony Richardson to get drafted anywhere is just a losing proposition at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless there's a gas mask video coming out. You guys I mean, saw the a- grab ass with uh, Will Levis on Tuesday morning, yeah. right? With yeah. the, Reddit, the Reddit thing and uh, the incredible. gambling lines came off the board and some guy on Reddit just said, Will Levis told me he's going to Carolina and like it had a bunch of attention and then everybody panicked and thought that Will Levis was going number one and then you know, they release the lines again. It does strike me as something Will Levis would say to some random dude in the airport. Like, you know, I'm going to Carolina, right? It was like the GameStop (laughs) of the draft. It was right. (laughs) Well, I guess he told his family and somebody in his family told some dude who just then put it on Reddit. And and yeah, I mean, but you look out of these guys and you're thinking, okay, Anthony Richardson to me is the greatest risk, risk reward. Right. Maybe in, in draft history, because you look at, even Pat Mahomes had a had a history, had a resume. Pat Mahomes and, was really good in college. His defense is stunk. He didn't yeah. have any control over that. Exactly. <laughs> so you look at him and go, well, yeah, but, you know, and he sat out a year. But Anthony Richardson, you saw him up close. It's like, wow. And, oh, God. They keep showing you the know? Utah play, the two-point yeah. conversion. And I'm a, that's the one for me this year where I was like, oh, he's going to win the Heisman. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was done. I was like, all right, he's he's going to be great. And then the Kentucky game was the following week, and you're like, this is the same person? Right. <laughs> like, really? Okay. Exactly. And so every offensive coordinator goes, man, if I could just mold this guy, we could have something we've never had before. And then if you fail him, it could be just a complete nutter flame out like it's, Russell. It's like the Dion thing we were talking about. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. a rousing success or a complete disaster. All right, Ari, who, what, what, what do you have? Uh, this is uh, historical. Um, All right. How many rounds was the NFL draft in its first edition in 1936? Oh, now it used to go up to like 12. Like I remember when I was a kid, it was 12 rounds and, and I'd watch the whole thing. Scott, you're supposed to know this stuff. <sighs> first year, uh, I want to say 20, but I'm probably wrong on that. I do know who went number one overall and. Uh, Jay Burwanger from <laughs> Chicago. He's from Dubuque, Iowa. So the uh, answer is nine, nine, nine the rounds. Year. Okay, all right. That's all right. I'll throw one out there. And uh, what round was Bart Starr selected when he was an Alabama Crimson Tide of the Green Bay Packers? I want to say he was low. Was he a twelfth round pick? Getting there. Oh, he's more worse. Oh yeah, yeah. They had a lot more rounds back then. Fourteenth. 17. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe that? I He was like uh, one of, I mean, uh, you go start going back through Alabama's history at quarterback. It's remarkable. And then you have, uh, you know, Ken Stabler was a second rounder. Um, you know, Joe Namath was a first rounder. And then you have Bart Starr, a 17th rounder. And they're all, uh, you know, I got, Hall of Famers. I got one more for you. All right, let's go. Who was the last number one overall pick to also win rookie of the year? Ooh. Mm. 
This is tough. Um, I'll just throw out Peyton Again, Manning. Andrew Luck? Nope. Cam Newton in 2010. Ah, okay. Yeah, I was close. Peyton had a bad first year because they were terrible. They were three and thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. I think he didn't he set the NFL record for interceptions that year? He had a lot. I don't know if he set the record, but he had a lot. No question. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, You got one more. One more. One more. Okay. I got one more too. Oh, all right. Go go ahead, ahead, Scott. Oh, go ahead, Ari. Yeah. Uh the Atlanta Falcons traded three draft picks uh for a player to the Chargers in 2001, who was the player they were trading for? <laughs> I know this. To Timmy Dwight. Chargers. Oh, wow. No, yeah. Tim Dwight. It's an Iowa guy. How about yeah. that? Yeah. They, hey, nope. that turned out to be a great. That's oh. not it? It's Michael Vick. It's Michael Vick. Oh, well, they got picking. Michael Vick, but but it was, uh, you know, they traded the, the Falcons had to trade Dwight to the Chargers uh, as part of that deal, along with first. Oh yeah, 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 twin, yeah. And then they uh, got they got Ladanian Tomlinson, so it worked out all right for the Chargers. That's a yeah, they got good. and they got Drew Brees in the second round, so that worked out pretty well for the Chargers if they would have kept him. <laughs> okay, Scott, right. you got one more. Oh boy, um, yeah. Let's see. Just here. from the memory bank, <laughs> this is great. He's just pulling it straight from <laughs> all right. over here incredible. on Google right now. <laughs> all right, how many teams have had first round picks since Iowa State's last first round pick in 1973? <laughs> How many different college programs? Yeah. So first round, not oh, first overall, first round. Picks. First round, yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, 100, I was going to say 96. 143. Whoa. And, and that also includes three that are defunct. Uh, a, a Canadian college, Queens. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and, and none, which was Eric Swan. He didn't go to college. <laughs> he got drafted in the first round. So, what were, so, were, were the other schools that had football that don't have football anymore? Uh, Tampa was one. Freddie Solomon. Yeah. Uh, Long Beach State. And then there was like, oh, it was like some guy's name. Oh, my God. I, I got it written down here somewhere. But it's, it's, some Saul guy's, Ross. Yeah. It's like a D2 that folded football back in the, wow. back in the day. And uh, so, so, come, so, come on, Will McDonald. <laughs> I mean, it's not Will McDonald who will draft himself. So come on, NFL teams who need an edge rusher. Will McDonald is right there for the taking. So Iowa State Street can be broken here. Yeah, there's some people that are rooting against that, by the way. But uh, um, okay, it's uh, Morris Brown. It was oh, Morris Brown in uh, mm-hmm. in Moontown. No, no, Morris Brown's in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking yeah. Robert Morris is in Moon Township, Pennsylvania. Exactly. Yeah, Morris Brown's in Atlanta. That wow, that is incredible. Well, Scott, yep, so- you are a a wealth of knowledge. If you'd like to stay up late and come join us after the draft, the first round on Thursday night, we'd love to have you. I might. I'm doing the grades that night. So oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing pick by pick. So I'm actually writing like small profiles on all, you know, for the first three rounds. So probably 120 guys, you know, a couple of graphs on each one right now. And so then I can plug it in and try to figure out good fits, all that sort See, of thing. See, I have to do it in real time. Yeah. So it, we, we, yeah. you, you, you got the, the job where you can do it all up front. I got I to gotta do it in real well, time on Thursday night. I'm going to be in an Italian restaurant. <laughs> we heard. We heard. Yeah. It's date night. It's double date night. But uh, I have to get salmon sweet. without pasta or, or fried chicken. So uh, You do? Yeah. Is that a rule? Just trying to lose weight, Andy. Just the, the glass box of trying to lose weight. 
I listen. I, I feel you. It's just, I, it's just like not I've even. What, what's the point of waking up? Honestly, you can't get chick. <laughs> you can't get veal parm at the best Wait, Italian restaurant. Listen, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Everybody, we will talk to you again after the first round of the draft.